This is Podco Media Networks. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done in the workplace or that they have said and done in the workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I'm Ed Everts, and I'm the founder of Excelius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping all of our listeners to take the next step in your workplace. In my 25 years in corporate America and 11 years as a leadership coach, every colleague and client, and I do mean every colleague and client I've worked with, have not said something that needs to be said or have not done something that needs to be done. And their impact to this lack of action impacts to their career, impacts to their progress, and impacts to their confidence. I use the word confidence purposefully as I believe one of the factors affecting their ability to make progress professionally is bravery. So we are chatting with folks who have either not said what needs to be said or done what needs to be done and hear what impact this lack of action is having on their careers, or we're chatting with folks who have found the bravery to say what needs to be said and done and the impact this action has had on themselves and their professional growth. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome as a guest to our show, a colleague who found the bravery to say and do something that needed to be said and done, and I hope you'll learn from her experience. Sue Lachance is currently Vice President of Organizational Development and Learning at a Boston-based healthcare company. She has previously worked at companies such as TripAdvisor, Constant Contact, and Monster Worldwide in leadership development roles. Hello, Sue. Hello, Ed. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks. Delighted to be here. Well, I'm thrilled that you expressed interest in sharing your story, and I've really been overwhelmed by the number of people who really want to participate and tell stories about things that they have personally experienced that, and most times, require some degree of bravery. And I think your story will illustrate that, don't you think? I think so. It felt that way to me at the time, I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it did. Let's get started. I'd love to hear your story. I'll jump in every once in a while with just a question, but sure. why don't you jump off? Well, a few years ago, I found myself working at a great company, one of the ones that you listed in the opening comments. So it was a great company, but I was really frustrated and disillusioned in my job. And the sad part was that I realized this from the very first day on the job. And of course, I thought it was going to get better, but I'm an eternal optimist, you know, so Several months in, if I was honest with myself, it was the same story, just feeling a little disillusioned about why I wasn't happy and thriving in the role. So one night I was at a networking event and I took a risk and I shared something with an external colleague, someone who knew my situation and the people that I work with and took a little bit of a risk and I shared with her that I was pretty unhappy in my role. Then I felt badly that I was venting to somebody that knew people that I worked with and only to find out that about a month later, she called and she said, hey, you know, I want to connect you with somebody. And that someone turned out to be my next boss. And so this is where the bravery comes in. The eventual job offer required me to leave high tech, where I had been super comfortable for years working for really great companies, and join a mission-driven nonprofit organization in the city where I swore I would never work. And it required three hours a day of commuting time on the commuter rail. And I was sure that was going to kill my ability to exercise every day. And yes, of course, I had to jump ship and try a totally foreign industry. You know, I think at this point, like most people would sort of stop themselves and say, like, what are you thinking? So I had to keep challenging myself. 
are you running from a job or to a job? I'm sure that people have heard that expression before. And honestly, you know, to this day, I'm not sure which I was doing at the time, but I knew that I loved what I did for my profession, but it was starting to feel like Groundhog Day. And the employer that I was with at that time was feeling like a rainy, cold Groundhog Day. So I thought, well, you know what? Maybe this is just the jolt that my system needed at the time. So I took the job and I was scared. <laughs> I'm sure you were. Can I ask you a quick question? Absolutely. This leaving high tech for, it sounds like a different industry. Yes, totally different. Right. So why do you feel that required bravery? What makes you think that bravery played a role in that decision? I think many people in their minds will have a stereotype about what a different industry is going to be like. And even when you get interviewed, it's kind of like, oh, you don't have experience in X industry. Why do you think you can do this? So I think that there's a little bit on both sides about why it might not work or I might feel uncomfortable or fish out of water. Mm -hmm. So it was bravery from the industry switching perspective, but also a complete, for me, it felt like a very big lifestyle change. And did they express any concern about your professional background and its fit within this newer industry? Oh, yeah. I got questioned a lot on that in the interview process. Okay. And it sounds like you answered the questions really well. Well, if they offered me the job, I... (laughs) (laughs) To continue on with the story, the first month, I have to say, was like true culture shock in terms of the personal professional learnings. I had to learn train etiquette because I was doing stuff wrong on the train and I couldn't speak the language at work, you know, all the acronyms and terminology that you need when you change industries and employees dress more formally. In fact, the first month I was told that my shoes were too casual and I had to wear different shoes. I was like, what, what am I doing here? But you know, in the end, you have to remember you're anchored in your expertise. So every day, like I'd go home and my brain would hurt, but it hurt like in the best possible way. Cause I was doing my craft, the craft that I loved, but I was learning so much about how to have to change and adjust what I did to this brand new culture. And that was, you know, and from the very beginning of the change to industries to this day tends to be a really good growth experience for me. And probably was just the jolt my system needed so that I wouldn't feel like I was in Groundhog Day every day. Had you thought about changing industries before this particular opportunity arose? No. And I don't think if I had seen the job posting that I even would have looked at it, to be honest with you. Yeah, this is a very, very common event for a lot of people, especially people in transition. Oftentimes, something might be happening with their industry where it's condensing or getting smaller or changing and they decide they want to move to a different industry. And oftentimes they create self-inflicted roadblocks where they don't think they'll get an interview or they don't think that the company will express interest in them. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts or ideas or suggestions for those folks to kind of help them break some of those roadblocks. Yeah, well, I would say that it's that old advice that you get sometimes and it almost feels tiring to hear about, you know, the network. And I've never, ever gotten a job. I have a fairly decent network and I've never gotten a job through my network. And this was sort of a surprising like, oh, so the network building relationships really does make a difference. Because I think a lot of times you have a skill set to get your foot in the door. But in the end, it's is the way you interact with people and will you be a good team member and collaborate well and challenge the status quo and bring in fresh thinking and things like that. I think in the end, that's probably what's more important to employers more so than pretty much anything else. So I think 
recognizing that you need that relationship to get you in the door if the company might screen you out for not having a particular industry experience, but the relationships can help you get there. I recall in transition organizations that I've attended programs in, and then some of my own research on this topic, that the vast majority of people employed today found their role through networking. And when I say vast, I mean like 75%. Mm-hmm. People found their current opportunity through some type of network. Certainly recruiters can play a role. A online posting can play a role. You know, it's not like a bell curve. You know, most of the people employed today found their job through networking. And I think we are shifting into a more relationship based culture where transitions from industry to industry might be a little bit, in some cases, easier if you have a good connection with people and they know your skills and capabilities, that sounds like that might have been something that helped you. Yeah. And I would just say to the podcast listeners, I was one of those people who never got a job through my network and I had a good network. And I was kind of like, oh yeah, that's what they always say about, you know, things being relationship based. And I I was having a hard time buying into it until this happened. So I would guess I would say, you know, be patient and don't ever neglect your relationships in your network just because it hasn't happened to you yet, because your day might come just like mine did, finally. (laughs) Right. So I want to go back to a couple of comments you had made that resonate for me. One is this decision as to whether you're running from something or to something. And I think most people want to feel that they're going to something and not leaving something or running from something. Can you talk a little bit more about that topic? Yeah, I think the advice being that running from something It means that you're not necessarily going to something that's better for you, that it could just be running from one bad place to another bad place because you haven't given it enough thought and research. Running to something to me has a lot of energy, proactivity. I'm doing this for a purpose. So I had to convince myself that maybe I wasn't necessarily running to that particular job just because there were so many things that were scaring me about it lifestyle-wise and work-wise, but that I was running towards something that was going to recharge my batteries and help me to think and behave or flex my professional knowledge. Right. Oftentimes, people who run from something don't really resolve the challenges that they may have faced at that workplace. And so those challenges may perpetuate at the next job and the next job. And oftentimes, people like myself who provide coaching, come in to kind of help people resolve what it is that they're experiencing. So then they can make a better decision as to whether they need to stay and influence where they are or wherever they are just isn't the right fit, regardless of the quality of the job that they're doing. And they need to move on to find their next opportunity. Very much my case was just the environment felt wrong. And so rather than going to another similar environment, I sort of did the double whammy, leave that environment, but try something completely different. Yeah. And you said earlier that you knew it was not the right fit on day one. Was that cultural or relationship based? Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Actually, I really liked the culture. Yeah, I really liked the culture. I think it was the variety of relationships and the nature of the job and what I was being asked to do. But I would have to say it was probably more the relationships. I I loved the culture. That wasn't a problem. And the other thing that you talked about, which is a favorite topic for me, is language, because different organizations and different industries have different language that they use, different acronyms, different words, et cetera. How have you been trying to get up to speed? And I'm assuming you are at this point, but going from your former high tech career path to now this nonprofit healthcare environment, 
how have you stayed on top of using good language that's effective? Oh, gosh, it's a daily learning experience. <laughs> I never feel on top of it. And I sometimes get frustrated that I, okay, I know I have learned this acronym like 10 times before. How come it's not sticking in my brain? Just because it can feel overwhelming. And sometimes I do things like we have a eight page acronym guide that I sort of keep by my desk and try to use that. And anytime something gets spelled out, I'll write it down again. So I try a bunch of different memory techniques to make sure that I can sound like I know what I'm talking or to try to speak the language. And I also have to be brave about having someone remind me, what does that thing stand for again? And we were just joking at a meeting, big meeting with you know a lot of people at very different levels in the organization last Friday about almost all of our acronyms have a C or multiple Cs in them. And we just like, okay. that makes it totally confusing. It's a challenge, but you have to work at it and you have to want to be able to master the language. Yeah. And I love that little mini example of bravery because sometimes it does take a moment of bravery to raise your hand or pause the conversation and say, hey, can someone tell me what that acronym means? Because people may think that others think they should know or that they think it's embarrassing to ask or you know whatever the feeling is that people experience. Oftentimes they don't ask, they don't know what the acronym means. And so they don't have the value that they could contribute to the conversation if they knew. And so double congratulations to you, not only on your transition from one industry to another, but also pausing or asking people to just clarify what an acronym means, because they also need to be reminded from time to time that not everybody knows what all these acronyms mean. And it's funny that you work in an organization that has eight pages of acronyms. (laughs) I bet you most organizations probably have eight pages as well. (laughs) Somebody at some point said, we have too many, we have to write them down. (laughs) Exactly. Well, let's do this too. Let's see if we can figure out, and you might have these and maybe we can create them together, two or three tips or lessons or observations you might have for people who are thinking about transitioning from one industry to another. What might be some tips or ideas that you can share that can help them? I have given this some thought and I would say that I sort of settled on three, but maybe... Three is my favorite number. Okay. So I think the first one is to acknowledge when you're unfulfilled in your job. I think a lot of times we just keep putting one foot in front of the other. But I think other people are oftentimes noticing before you do that you're not happy in your job. So it's your Mm -hmm. responsibility to do something about it. So it's not just for you, but it's also to benefit other people around you. Yeah, we have this thing called body language that we don't realize we're doing where we're not demonstrating the degree of enthusiasm or engagement or interest in things, even though we think we are, we're not. And sometimes someone might approach you and say, hey, I just wanted to check in and make sure everything's all right at the meeting this morning. You seem to be disinterested or disengaged, right? So I think you're right. You need to first acknowledge that you're unfulfilled and that you need to do something about it. Exactly. Another lesson I would say is trust the possibilities of trying something new. You probably remember at the beginning of the story, I had all these stereotypes like, I'm never going to work in the city. There's no way I would ever take the commuter rail. There's no way I could exercise. That was kind of like negative, no, 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 no. But I knew that I needed the jolt. It felt like diving off the high dive into a big open pool or something and feeling very refreshed and invigorated because of the experience. So sometimes you just have to trust that you need to change and do it. Great advice. And then the last one is we talked about running to a job or, you know, like from a job or to a job. And I'd say that, you know, even if you're running from a job, the leap, whatever you decide to take or running away that you decide to do will keep you from stagnating in your career. 
So even if you run away and you join an organization that's not the right thing for you, you've at least released yourself from the thing that you knew wasn't fulfilling. So being brave and just shifting gears and doing something else doesn't have to be forever. (laughs) Right. Well, most work opportunities are not forever. I give that advice all the time. I think the only one I would add is that also think of yourself as an individual. And just because something didn't work out for somebody else doesn't mean it's not going to work out for you. People love to tell their stories. And I would listen to other people's stories as opinions and not advice. Learn from it and say, thanks for sharing with me that story. Here are three things I'm going to do differently so it can work for me. Because just because it didn't work for others doesn't mean it won't ever work for everyone. Great. Well, listen, Sue, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and sharing your story of bravery and transitioning from one, you know, fairly significant industry to another. And I'm sure along with all of the listeners, we hope that it's working out. Well, thank you. It was great fun. And I'll be cheering on all the other brave souls out there who take everyone's stories that are shared on this podcast to benefit themselves. If anybody does need to reach out to you or would like to speak with you, Sue, do you have a phone number or an email address that you'd be willing to share? My personal email is Sue, S-U-E, Lachance, L-A-C-H-A-N-C-E, 02, at gmail.com. Great. Well, I hope a couple of brave listeners would reach out and chat with you a little bit more so that you can be an inspiration for them individually. Look forward to hearing from them. Thank you, everyone, for listening today to Be Brave at Work. And please tune in next Monday, where we'll hear another real-life story from a real-life person about what they're experiencing in the workplace and things that they might have done to be more successful. Take care.